Have you ever walked away from an interaction with someone and felt totally drained? Maybe you noticed this, but you just chalked it up to being part of the job, or something going on within you, like the restless night of sleep you had the night before. So you just go on ahead and you down another coffee, or you just keep going, telling yourself to snap out of it and brush it off. Have you ever felt your body so tight and so stiff you can hardly stand up like your normal self? Have you found yourself chronically sick, dealing with colds or a recurring illness, allergies, or fatigue? Have you felt your energy within being sluggish? Felt yourself not totally inspired by life? And like, you just want to rest. Again, you chalk these things up to there being something wrong with you. Or maybe just life being life. You're aging. Your job has been really busy lately. And you say, eh, it'll all get better this weekend when I can sleep in. Maybe. What about this? Are you someone who's ever found themselves totally recharged after being in nature? Ever noticed yourself feeling blissful? after doing a yoga practice, or a breathing exercise, or a guided meditation, even if that bliss feeling was temporary. Well, what you're actually experiencing in all of these scenarios is your prana. Prana is your life energy. Prana is actually the Sanskrit word for vital life force. It is the lifeblood that circulates within each of us. It's the energy that enables our biology to function. And it is the soul of our personality, desires, goals, and successes. Your prana is sacred. It is an invisible, fundamental, extremely potent resource that you have within you right now. And when you learn to respect your prana, honor your prana through practices and through your awareness, you can change your whole life around. And I'd say that's probably worth learning more about. I'm Perinaz Shams, and this is Embrace Your Essence podcast. Now, maybe you've never heard of prana before, or you have, you've heard it lightly tossed around at your yoga studios, but it is a sacred thing that you want to get to know and really understand. And if you're listening to this podcast, I know for a fact that you're a person who cares about living a life that is whole, full, and deeply meaningful. You want to be healthy in more than just the aesthetic cosmetic way, and you care about the health of all things. To do that, and to be that person, and to live that life, you need to understand your prana. To help you, I'm going to guide you through a very simple exercise right now, no matter where you are, sitting, standing, laying down, doesn't matter. Just go ahead and take a full, deep breath in through your nose, as full as you can, and then hold at the top for a few seconds. Are you holding? 
you've just experienced your prana. Now let that breath go. That exhale is the exchange of prana through your body. It flows through our breath and it circulates throughout our body. It is influenced and impacted by all things that come in contact with us. We can also learn to nurture our prana as we learn to connect more fully to ourselves, as we engage with our body through somatic work, as we engage our mind through meditation, and as we engage our heart and our spirit through walking the spiritual path. My goal at this point is to give you valuable context on prana. And to do that, I'm going to share a little bit of my personal story. Not so that you can listen to my life story, but so that you can start to understand your relationship to prana up to this point. Sometimes in hearing another person's journey, you can understand your own. And frankly, talking about my own life story and relationship to prana is sometimes the only way I know how to articulate such vast, deep, and spiritual concepts like prana. So let's dive in. I first learned about prana while in Ayurveda school several years ago. Probably I had heard the word prana before because I grew up in Boulder, which is a hippie town in Colorado where they blend teas and go on nature hikes all day. But I really formally learned about prana and started to understand it from the theoretical place while in Ayurveda school. So you might know that Ayurveda is an ancient health science born out of India. It's been around for thousands of years and it is holistic in its nature. It describes the health of all things, including people, as a state of harmony among body, mind, and spirit. In order to achieve that harmony, Ayurveda says, we must cultivate strong prana. Now, Ayurveda knows that prana, our life force, is found in anything and everything. And it is also exchanged among and between all things. So, as a way of building good health, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, we can really start by recognizing that one, we have prana, and two, we are constantly exchanging that prana with all other things. So real quick, think back to what you've done today so far. Seriously, go ahead, start scanning your memory bank. What did you eat for breakfast? What have you listened to today? Have you watched anything on TV? What conversations did you have or are you about to have? Each of these things has a certain flow of energy to them. Therefore, When you engaged with them or when you do engage with them later, those things and those people, you will exchange some of your energy with theirs. Now, this is just a fundamental law of life. So that apple you ate earlier, for example, it has prana and you consumed some of it. That tense combo you had earlier with your coworker, they have a pranic flow to them and you consumed some of that. Conversely, they likely took on some of your energy, a.k.a. prana. So Ayurveda first teaches us, again, we have to realize that we have a pranic flow to us. And second, we are constantly exchanging prana with all things that we consume. 
But this doesn't mean that we're totally out of control and the energy vampires out there can totally suck and drain our energy from us. And we need to be fearful and only go towards all things positive and light. Ayurveda also teaches us how we can cultivate prana within us and how we can protect In other words, nurture our prana so that it's not leaking out of us, getting drained, and we don't experience the things I mentioned at the very start of this episode, like chronic pain in the body, or disillusionment with life, or recurring illness that's seemingly unexplainable. In other words, we can learn how to engage in a lifestyle that supports our pranic flow rather than pranic stagnation. So yes, prana, your vital life force, your energy within you, it can and does stagnate within us. Many, many things can cause prana to stagnate. And again, that's when we experience lethargy, pain, depression, loss of enthusiasm, joy, sexual interest, and more. And like I said a moment ago, it can also get drained. And prana being drained from you is something that I've experienced firsthand. And I had to receive guidance from my spiritual mentor, Chandresh, who you've all heard about before, and my somatic teacher, Dr. Scott Blossom, to really understand what was going on and what to do about it. And the most beautiful thing about that whole process for me was that I realized through my own actions, through my own words, and through my own thoughts, I can restore my prana and I can nurture it so that I never experience massive drops and dips in my health, in my joy, and in my energy. And in that way, my life has really changed for the better. So, I'm going to go a little bit deeper now into my personal relationship with prana and how I started to realize it, and then what my teachers showed me and the guidance they gave me. And my hope in doing that is for you to take the guidance that they bestowed upon me as guidance for you too. Always remember that here in this podcast episode, I don't know you. So the things that I'm sharing today just in this episode may or may not be very relevant to you. You can always reach out to me though, and we can discuss the ways that you specifically can cultivate prana in your life based on your lifestyle so that it works for you. Okay? So here we go. Let's dive in. I'm going to start with the physical aspect of experiencing my prana and learning how to nurture it and restore it. I'm someone who, starting at age 11, experienced a variety of physical pain and kind of strange, out there, unexplainable ailments and illnesses. For example, at age 11, I started getting chronic migraines. By age 16, I had sciatica, which if you don't know is chronic lower back pain. I also developed gut issues. I actually had perforated ulcers by the time I was a senior in high school. I suffered from really bad acne for a long time, and I was also incredibly anxious. Not to mention the vast array of food sensitivities and allergies that I've dealt with over the years. Basically, it felt like 
my body was always combating against pain, discomfort, or something assaulting it in the form of foods it didn't agree with or allergens that would irritate my skin. And when I started working with my now teacher, Dr. Scott Blossom, who is a somatic expert and Ayurvedic teacher and traditional Chinese medicine therapist based out of the Bay Area, he started speaking about prana as the vital life force that flows through us, but when it gets constricted in our body as a result of conditioning, pain, or trauma, we start to experience a loss of health. And I remember when he said that, a little light bulb went off in me, and I thought to myself, hmm, maybe I don't have enough prana in me, and that's why I've had chronic illness throughout my life or chronic pain. And in learning from him more closely, he clarified for me that it's not that we don't have enough prana. It's not that I was lacking prana. It's that I didn't know how to circulate my prana throughout my body. And as a result, the prana would get stuck or it would stagnate. And wherever prana doesn't flow, he says, mritri starts to accumulate. And that word means death. Now, if you just heard that and you're like, whoa, so you are about to die? No, it means that if prana is not flowing, life is not flowing. And so we experience things like tension, tightness, pain, or illness wherever our prana is not fully vibrant and circulating. So that could be in that muscle tension you're holding. It could be in your gut. It could be in the cells of your body, but it doesn't have to scare you. It, like what I learned from Dr. Blossom, just has to be recirculated. So the ways he started showing me how to circulate my prana was first and foremost through somatic healing practices. Now, if you listen to this podcast or if you work with me, you know that I am all about somatic healing practices. And this is why, because they are literally the way to keep us healthy, to keep us strong, and to keep us vivacious. It is the way. It also can reverse so many of your symptoms of pain, illness, and aging. So if you're totally new to that term, somatic healing practices, anything to do with the body that engages your breath and relaxation of your muscles and nervous system. For me, when I work with people and what Dr. Blossom showed me is yoga, a specific form of yoga. It's not the yoga that's really done in the mainstream that does all three of these things. It relaxes the body and thereby it relaxes the muscle tension within us. It calms and creates rhythm within the flow of breath. And that produces a balanced, neutral effect on the nervous system. And when these things happen, our biology is all of a sudden starting to flow in its natural way. It is in a state of harmony. And remember what I said a little bit ago, when we are in a state of harmony, we are in a state of health. And it's because through that harmony, prana can flow. There are no longer roadblocks for our prana in the form of muscle tension or constricted breath flow. 
So the number one thing I started to learn was that yoga and breath work, when done in a very specific way, can actually circulate prana and therefore calm our nervous system. And for me, it soothed my anxiety, it helped me sleep better, and it literally resolved my pain. (laughs) I'm only laughing because it really did all of that naturally. One story I love to tell, just to really put a fine point on this, I developed a benign cyst on my wrist. And a lot of people told me, doctors, experts, told me it was because I taught a lot of fitness classes and so I use my wrists a lot. And they said, you know, this stuff happens. People who spend a lot of time at the computer or working with their hands, a lot of times you can develop cysts. And they said, well, you could have it operated on. You know, we could go in and just remove it. And I I always shy away from that (laughs) for a number of reasons. But because I had at this point now been studying with Dr. Blossom and doing this yoga and breath work for a long time, I instead just kind of got curious and said, hmm, I wonder if I could resolve this on my own. So I started engaging with my yoga practice and my breathwork practice that I had learned from Dr. Blossom in a new way. I kind of recommitted to it, if you will. And No kidding, within six months, the cyst resolved itself. I no longer have a bump on my wrist. And it was actually that experience that totally did it for me. Since then, I I haven't fallen off with my somatic practices. And as a lot of you might know who are listening right now, it's a pillar of the work that I do on a daily basis with my clients. So now it is part of my daily life. But up to that point, until I really saw that, significant change in such a short period of time with the cyst in my wrist, I didn't fully grasp, like it didn't fully land in me how significant these somatic healing practices were for circulating prana and therefore cultivating better health. So as I just mentioned, that was the number one thing that I started to learn about prana related to the physical body. Now, the second thing that Dr. Blossom helped expand upon, which I had learned already in Ayurveda school, was the importance of strong digestion and a healthy diet and health routine. Now, this is something that I teach in my online programs, and these are things I introduce on my wellness retreats. But Ayurveda has a host of guidelines for us to follow that are very, very, very simple, short daily practices to do to nurture strong digestion and a strong physical body. So when I combined my somatic healing practices and these lifestyle practices of strong digestion and detoxing the body, my overall health totally transformed. I started having more energy throughout my day, I would wake up energized, which I don't know about you, but that seems like a gem in and of itself, right? Where you just wake up ready to take on the day, wake up before my alarm. I I couldn't even conceive of that a few years ago. And more than that, I just felt lighter. I felt more connected. I felt more at ease and like I was okay. And I think a lot of us, I think maybe you, You want to feel okay because on the one hand, you know that life is good, right? You probably have a success on some level and you probably have love on some level and and you have your health. And so you try to remind yourself like, I think I have a good life, but I want to feel like I know how good my life is. And that shift happened for me 
when I connected to my prana in these ways. So on the physical level, I want this takeaway for you to be that you can truly transform your health and you can reverse a lot of your symptoms of illness, ailment, and aging by circulating prana. And you do that through somatic healing practices that engage the body in a very specific way and engage the breath in a very specific way and through looking at your digestive health and your lifestyle practices. Again, you can learn all of these things with me through my spiritual life coaching practice, through my wellness retreats, and my online programs. So if you haven't already, reach out. Find me on social media. Find me via email or on my website, Perignon's Shams. Before we move on to the less physical aspects of cultivating prana, I want to give a sincere thank you to Dr. Scott Blossom. He is a teacher of mine and the lineage from which he teaches, which is Tantra and Shadow Yoga and Aryaveda, has changed me. And it is through that transformation that I am now able to help people like you through this podcast episode and through my spiritual life coaching program. So I am in gratitude for my teacher and for these healing lineages. Thank you. Now, let's talk about other ways that you can cultivate prana outside of the physical body. I have another teacher and mentor. His name is Chandresh. And in a couple episodes back, I shared a little bit about how I connected with Chandresh. Basically, he's the one who you could say got me on the spiritual path. Now, I don't always love that phrase because I frankly believe that we are all spiritual at nature and we just need to be reconnected to that part of ourselves. So I guess we could say Chandresh was the human being that helped me reconnect to the spiritual part of me. So I've now worked with him for years and years and he is not focused so much on the somatic, the body stuff. He more so focuses on things like the subtle body, meditation, and really starting to rearrange the way in which you think about yourself and the world around you. Now, just like Dr. Scott Blossom, I'm going to take a moment here to acknowledge Chandresh and his lineage. Chandresh is a seventh generation Tantra spiritual teacher. He helps people cultivate the inner sacredness they have. And he does this through teaching Tantra. And he is the founder of Lila Gurukul, which is a spiritual school focused on teaching the principles of Tantra and divine consciousness. I am in gratitude to Chandresh, to the Tantra lineage, and all that I have learned and gained from it. So to begin, I'll say that meditation is a major way of cultivating prana. Now, you personally today might feel like meditation is a really hard thing to do. And as I've shared in previous episodes, actually the last episode is all about meditation and why you might have a hard time with it. I largely said that we struggle with meditation just because of our conditioning. But if we can get past that piece of it, meditation at its essence is a way of cultivating prana because it gets us into a space where we are relaxed, the body is relaxed, and the mind and its usual programming quiets down a little bit. It doesn't go away, it doesn't stop, but it helps us access another piece of us, the part of us that lives beyond that mind's chatter and the body's 
need to always be doing and going. And that is our awareness. And it is in our awareness that we can connect with prana, right? These are the essential pieces of us. They are not so tangible as the body. They are not so habituated into us as our mind and our thoughts, but they are very real components of us. And so when you access your awareness, you're accessing that space beyond all the tangible pieces of you. And that is also where prana lives. So meditation is a very, very powerful way for you to start engaging with nurturing your prana. Now, as I have said in previous episodes, and if you're a client of mine, you know I say this to you all the time, you don't have to be meditating in silence for 60 minutes every day in order to say you're meditating. (laughs) It's not about perfection. It's actually not about anything looking any certain way or happening in any certain fashion. The most important part is to relax your body and to begin witnessing yourself. Now, in meditation, when done as I have learned from Chandresh, which is in this tantric way, we often engage in deep breathing, conscious breathing, where we focus the breath around a single point in the body, either the navel or the heart. And then we begin breathing in through the nose with a gentle pause at the top. And then we exhale through the nose down to the base of the body. This conscious breathing is activating your prana. That is the purpose. And in activating your prana, you're connecting with the greater, the more than human forces of healing, of health, of courage, of love that exist around us. But we may not be accessing on a daily basis as we're just trying to live life through the lens of the body and the mind. So it is in this world of going beyond that we access pranic flow and we connect with all the forces that nurture the good feeling and the goodness of us and life. So I highly encourage you to become curious about meditation, even if you've tried it 50 times before and you're saying, Ugh, I just can't get that noise in my head to turn off. Remember, part of the process is seeing that you have resistance to slowing down. You have resistance to being still and being with yourself. And a big part of your meditation journey might be working through that resistance. You might sit down and have that inner battle 50 times before finally you relax and you're able to sit with yourself in greater calm. And it is right there where you are unlearning your conditioning that something is wrong with you if you're not always going 100 miles per hour every second of the day. And that deconditioning process that's happening on a very deep internal, emotional, and psychological level is helping you open up space within you. And it's in that spaciousness that prana flows. Your life force flows more freely. Therefore, you experience greater ease, greater equanimity in your life, and health. So 
hopefully you're starting to see that there are multiple ways of cultivating prana. Meditation, Ayurveda, somatic healing practices like yoga and breath work. These are all the tools. In other words, they are the bridges that you walk across to get to a place of strong pranic flow. You do these practices, you engage in these practices to nurture the life force within you. And when you do that, you will live in greater health. You will experience greater ease. You will like yourself more because you will feel better on all levels in all dimensions. The last bit of this episode, I want to dive into something that, honestly, I'm not sure how comfortable I feel talking about. It's very personal. And honestly, it's more than personal. It's that there's huge stigma around it. It's taboo to talk about this. So while I talk about it a lot with the people that I work with and with my teachers, when you talk about it in a more public format such as this, you're reminded of how taboo it is. So with all that said, roll with me, bear with me. And if this is meaningful to you, let me know. It's important. I hear through you things that support me and give me the courage to keep showing up on this podcast and other platforms. So I'd love to know. All right. A couple years ago, I went to my teacher, Chandresh, and said to him, something's happening. I don't know what it is, but I just feel so terribly drained each day lately. And it kind of has a pattern to it. It sometimes happens at this time of day and that time of day, but the one thing I can trace is it's after I see this guy. And Chandresh asked me, are you dating this guy? And I said, yeah. And he said, are you having sex with this guy? And I said, yeah. Chandresh said, Congratulations. Because you had the courage to open this door with me, your whole life is going to change for the better. And <laughs> and he was right. But I had no idea what he meant in that moment. <laughs> so here's how this went down. I had been experiencing a drain of my prana when I had been having sex with this person. Now, I knew this person, like I just said a moment ago, we were had been dating for maybe a couple months or something, and it didn't seem like there was anything bad. But every single time we would have sex, I would become so depleted on a deep level that I couldn't really function. I would have to take a nap. And it didn't feel good. It was truly like something had just erased the energy from within me and I didn't know what was going on to the point where it confused me and concerned me enough that I, I took it to Chandresh. So what he ended up saying was basically, your sexual energy is such a sacred aspect of your prana. Prana flows through us and our sexual energy is just one part of the prana. Sexual energy is not different than the rest of our energy, right? Right? 
And that right there was something I had never really thought about before. And, and maybe you haven't either. The sexual energy you have, in other words, your sex drive, however strong it is, it's not separate from the complete amount of energy you have, the total amount of energy within you. It's one way that your energy gets used. So Chandra started to explain to me that sex in all forms is a release of your energy, aka your prana. And so you have to become very mindful, you have to become aware of how and when and with whom you are releasing your prana through sex. And this really got me curious because all of a sudden I started thinking about all of the various forms of sexual engagements I had had. And I started to realize that there were times where sex didn't drain me and at other times it completely depleted me as I had been experiencing. So through my continued learning with Chandresh at this time, he started to explain to me deeper and deeper that basically if you choose to have sex, you must be aware of the fact that you are letting go of prana. In other words, it is an energy output for you. And if you are releasing your energy, you're going to feel that you'll have less of it. And you'll need to then work to cultivate that energy again. And so the way that this can happen is by simply tuning in to the frequency at which you release your prana through sex. Now, this is sex with another person. It's also through masturbation, sex of all kinds. When you engage in that act, you're outputting energy. And by tuning into the frequency, you can start to calibrate how much prana you release on a regular basis. So actually decreasing the frequency at which we have sex can help us nurture our prana. Now, I'm not saying go celibate, in case you are wondering. <laughs> I'm not saying sex is a bad thing. I'm saying a lot of us experience diminished energy flow after sex, and we don't realize what's actually going on. Again, we chalk it up to something being wrong with us or our day job. And actually, it's that your energy is very sacred and it needs to be moved and exchanged with awareness. So my invitation here is to just become more aware when it comes to sex. How frequently and in what ways are you choosing to release your prana? Are the ways in which you're doing that feeling good to you? Or are you doing it just because you get that urge in the moment? As Chandrash would say, are you satisfying your sexual sneeze? If so, instead, maybe don't have sex that time. Instead, engage your prana. Do one of your meditations. Engage in one of your breathwork practices. Do one of your somatic healing techniques. And that will circulate the prana through you and actually make you stronger. Whereas satisfying the sexual sneeze, in other words, going and having that casual sex or masturbating, would release it. 
but it doesn't give you the longer term, the greater benefit to your health and to your happiness that simply recirculating that energy does. So just to put a fine point on this, it is important to make clear that your sexual urges, your sexual desires, that comes from the prana flow within you. And so just because you get the urge to have sex doesn't mean you have to choose sex as the way that that energy gets utilized. When you get a sexual urge, you could channel that prana in any number of ways. You could channel it into your healing work, like I just said, meditation, breathing, somatic healing. You could channel it into something creative. You could channel it into physical movement. You could channel it into loving your partner in a way that's intimate, but not sexual. And this right here becomes a deeply spiritual practice because It encourages you, it pushes you to go beyond the ways in which you have understood yourself so far and you have understood your energy in this way so far. And when you go beyond, you experience new possibilities and opportunities for your life. And that is healing. It is restorative to our soul and it expands our life. Now, one final little bit for you before we close this out. I recently had a client come to me and say, I reconnected with my ex-boyfriend. And it was actually in the aftermath of this breakup that she and I started working together. So a lot of our work has centered around reconnection to herself and releasing the pain of this breakup and also acknowledging some of her patterns and habits of codependency and overgiving to the other at the cost of her health and her happiness. So she told me, I saw him again. And in telling me that she saw him again, she mentioned, I felt really drained. And honestly, I feel kind of bad. I don't necessarily regret seeing him, but there's something in me that doesn't feel good. So I asked her, did you happen to have sex with him? And she said, yeah, I did. And then we started talking about prana. And I shared with her, much like Chandra shared with me years ago, that prana is sacred. And when we give our prana to things that don't serve us, even if the urge in us and in our mind is strong, we will feel that cost after. In this case, my client felt it in the form of the aftermath of having sex with her ex. A person that of course she had history with and she loved deeply, but knew wasn't serving her in significant ways to the point where she could no longer live her life with him. And in this recognition of how this interaction with him affected her and her happiness and health by way of her prana, my client started to see herself in a new way. Subtly, you could see within her a shift that she is that important. She is carrying something so precious at all times that it's not to be given away cheaply. It's not to be seen as insignificant. It's actually to be honored. So, To all of you who are listening, 
The same is true for you. You are sacred. Your prana is meant to be honored in every way you can and in every day you have. So I invite you to start becoming aware. Become aware of who and what you are exchanging energy with most often and most deeply. You can even write a list. Who are the five people I exchange energy with most frequently and most deeply? Then ask yourself, do I like that? Is that serving me or is it draining me? You can make that same list for the foods you eat, the hobbies you have, the ways you distract yourself, even the health practices you have. You might find some of them are more draining than nurturing. As you build this awareness of yourself and your relationship to your prana, I can guarantee you it will illuminate things. It will bring you clarity. And remember, with clarity, you have power. Power to make new choices in a more conscious way that support you and serve you in living your happiest, healthiest, most whole life. If this podcast episode reached you and served you in some way, please share it, write a review, and subscribe. It helps a lot. You can also follow me on Instagram, underscore paragnosjams underscore. You can reach out to me personally at shamsguidance at gmail.com, and we can talk about your prana and what you can start doing to nurture it and honor it. You can learn somatic healing practices, Ayurvedic lifestyle tips and tools, as well as receive personal guidance on nurturing your prana to develop a happy and whole life by working with me privately or attending one of my healing wellness retreats. Visit Parinaz Shams or again, reach out and let's talk more. To all of you, thank you for being present, for listening, and for embracing your essence.